Welcome to the Boom Clap Podcast. Today we are discussing Davos, the World Economic Forum meeting that just happened, I think about a week and a half ago, it finished up. And there is a lot to talk about. We're going to touch on the broad spectrum issues that they talked about towards the end of the podcast. But the beginning here, we're going to start off talking about specifically brain monitoring that was discussed at the event um, in a couple, it was discussed in a couple ways, a couple times, and then basically just that it's here. It's here. Like this is not a far off, far-fetched concept anymore. There is technology out there that can monitor your thoughts and basically know, just know what you're thinking, which is really scary how that can be used. So we're going to unpack that. We're going to play some videos for you of actually what was said there. And then we're going to unpack and go through the whole, uh, scenario of why this might not be okay um, a little bit deeper. So before we start off, though, I want to say I'm really excited about this topic. Like, (laughs) these are the things (laughs) we were talking before this, Cecily and I, like, these topics really get me fired up. I, I just love diving in here. And when you think about that, you might think, well, didn't you guys just do an episode on conspiracy theories? Well, one, this is somewhat of a conspiracy, I feel like, but not a theory. Like it's right. reality. It's an, actual, it's an event and they're reporting on what's happening and all we're doing is reading what they're reporting. Yeah, but it sounds conspiratorial, right? When you talk yeah, about somebody totally monitoring does. your brainwaves. Oh but my gosh, yeah. My point in bringing up that conspiracy episode is I see people diving into things that don't matter personally to their life mm-hmm. on social media. And We talked about in that episode how those type of things are purely entertainment. And for example, the DeMar Hamlin situation, I still see people posting videos on big platforms talking about how he's actually not alive and how the NFL is conspired and like all of these things. And one, my thought is like, why? Like, what's the point? How does this affect your life? Even if this would be true, how does it affect your life? It doesn't, but brain monitoring, like technology to monitor your thoughts actually does matter to your life. So let's stop with the distractions and let's focus on things that actually matter that are coming your way, that are really coming your way, right? Mm -hmm. Exactly, exactly. And when we think about like these brain monitoring things too, I think there's so many examples of things in the past that people thought, oh, these things are developing, but they're never actually going to happen. That have happened. Mm-hmm. And and I think we just need to learn from history and learn from what's in front of our faces before, before it's literally in our heads. Yeah. Well, one thing I find interesting is first video we're going to play for you. Just listen for when she says, you may be surprised that it's not a future technology. It's already here. So I think that's interesting to know that it is already here. And we're going to read an article later from 2019 that unpacks some of these potential issues coming down the pike with this type of technology. In the beginning of the article, they say this technology is in its infancy. So 2019, it's now 2023, four years later, and something that was, quote, in its infancy four years ago that seems like such a huge technology to develop is here. 
Like that yes. is really crazy to me also that we're moving at such a speed that something that seems so far fetched and like it would take so long to develop really mm-hmm. is coming at us very quickly. Like it's not taking that long for people to figure out with AI and technology anymore how to implement these things into reality. Mm-hmm. Totally. And I think that's the scary part is they figured out how to implement it into reality. But the question is, how do we make sure that if it's implemented into reality, that it's done in a safe way and that it's done in a way where people's private lives are protected, that it doesn't get into the wrong hands? Like, I think that should always be a concern. Yeah. As we'll get into a lot of this later, like a lot of this is being developed and funded by military. So if it's funded by a military that we consider, quote, good, well, what's to think a bad military is not going to be doing the same thing or possibly looking to take that data, right? Yeah. Well, I would argue there is no way to implement this kind of stuff safely or... I would, I would totally. (laughs) And I know you would too. (laughs) Just making sure that's clear. Okay. So we're going to play some audio for you here. This is just a speech that was actually given at the World Economic Forum by Nita Farani. Actually, I should probably introduce her first. Um, Mm -hmm. Nita Farani is an Iranian-American professor and scholar on the ramifications of new technology on society, law, and ethics. She currently teaches law and philosophy at Duke University, where a distinguished professor of law and philosophy. She was also uh, appointed by President Obama to the Presidential Commission for Study of Bioethical Issues. So this is who's speaking in this audio here. You're in the zone. Even you can't believe how productive you've been. Your memo is finished, your inbox is under control, and you're feeling sharper than you have in a decade. Sensing your joy, your playlist shifts to your favorite song, sending chills up your spine as the music begins to play. You glance at the program running in the background on your computer screen and notice a now familiar sight that appears whenever you're overloaded with pleasure, your theta brainwave activity decreasing in the temporal regions of your brain. You mentally move the cursor to the left and scroll through your brain data over the past few hours. You can see your stress levels rising as the deadline to finish your memo approached, causing a peak in your beta brainwave activity right before an alert popped up, telling you to take a brain break. But what's that unusual change in your brain activity when you're asleep? It started earlier in the month. You send a text message to your doctor with a mental swipe of your cursor. Could you take a quick look at my brain data? Anything to worry about? Your mind starts to wander to the new colleague on your team, whom you know you shouldn't be daydreaming about, given the policy against intra-office romance. But you can't help fantasizing just a little. But then you start to worry that your boss will notice your amorous feelings when she checks your brain activity and shift your attention back to the present. You breathe a sigh of relief when the email she sends you later that day congratulates you on your brain metrics from the past quarter, which have earned you another performance bonus. You head home jamming to the music with your work-issued brain-sensing earbuds still in. When you arrive at work the next day, a somber cloud has fallen over the office. Along with emails, text messages, and GPS location data, 
the government has subpoenaed employees' brainwave data from the past year. They have compelling evidence that one of your coworkers has committed massive wire fraud. Now, they're looking for his co-conspirators. You discover they are looking for synchronized brain activity between your coworker and the people he has been working with. While you know you're innocent of any crime, you've been secretly working with him on a new startup venture. Shaking, you remove your earbuds. What do you think? Is it a future you're ready for? You may be surprised to learn that it's a future that has already arrived. Everything in that video that you just saw is based on technology that is already here today. Artificial intelligence has enabled advances in decoding brain activity in ways that we never before thought possible. You've heard a lot about AI over the past few years. Here at Davos, it's been the talk of the hour. But I want to talk about it in a different way, which is the ability to decode brainwave activity. After all, what you think, what you feel, it's all just data. What you think, what you feel, it's all just data. Like yeah. how dehumanizing does that sound? Yeah. yeah, I mean, there's a lot we could pull out of that video, but I think that last little bit was the answer. If you have questions about any of this, that's the answer. That is so dehumanizing. Think of you were standing in front of your child and you said to them, everything you're thinking and feeling, it's just data. <laughs> you don't matter. You're just data. Data on legs, right? Like, yeah. it's crazy. Yeah. There, there is so, I feel like it was really interesting how she set it up, um, you know, with that whole visual of going through your work day and then going home mm -hmm. and then the government subpoena, like issuing yeah. a subpoena for your brainwave data, you know, yeah. like she's, yes. well, it, she set it up almost as if you, to make you not want this. That's right. But then- we're going to go into another video where it's basically saying, you know, how we can use this for good. So, yeah. And that's why, I mean, there's a lot of reasons I'm skeptical about the things that they talk about at Davos. Mm -hmm. But when you present something to people that the average person is going to watch and think, why would anyone ever want that? That's horrifying. Like there was one line in there where the, the subject of the video is shaking and removes her earbuds because she's afraid that she's going to be caught for working on a project that sounds really innocent with a coworker that did something wrong. So, I mean, anyone can put themselves in that situation, imagine themselves in that situation. So it's really interesting to me that they are using fear almost as a marketing tactic for something that it appears they want to sell, but considering they're using fear, it makes you wonder, do you want to? Like, what's actually going on here? Yeah, yeah. And we'll definitely talk about that more later yeah. on in this episode too. The newest way to monitor attention is through a device like this one. These are ear pods that are launching later this year. These ear pods, much like the video you watched earlier, are ear pods that can pick up brainwave activity and tell whether or not a person is paying attention or their mind is wandering. Okay, well, you might think, fine, but even if we can tell whether a person is paying attention or their mind is wandering, you can't tell what they're paying attention to. 
you would be wrong. It turns out that you can not only tell whether, whether a person is paying attention or their mind is wandering, but you can discriminate between the kinds of things that they're paying attention to. Whether they're doing something like central tasks, like programming, peripheral tasks, like writing documentation, or unrelated tasks, like surfing social media or online browsing. When you combine brainwave activity together with other forms of software and surveillance technology, the power becomes quite precise. So what do we do with this? What do we do with technology that enables us to monitor brainwave activity for attention? Do we embrace it? Do we resist it? I believe that there is a pathway forward with such technology, but it's putting it in the hands of employees, enabling them to use it for themselves as a choice, whether or not they want to focus, whether or not they want the technology in order to improve their own performance, but not using it as a measure of their brain metrics to decide whether to fire them, hire them, or to watch for their lagging cognitive decline over time and using it as a way to discriminate against them. So the putting it in the hands of employees as a choice. Mm -hmm. Major idol there. Major. Like that is how you gain control of people and make them think that they're actually the ones in control. Am I right? Yes. (laughs) Absolutely. It's like when a wife is trying to manipulate her husband to think that something's his idea. Like people make jokes about that all the time. Well, that's this on a really large, scary scale. Yeah. Yes. So the first video, she sets up what it would look like being used in someone's day at work with your work monitoring you, essentially. Mm-hmm. And the anxiety, like, I also noticed a lot of anxiety potential there with, oh, you know, her like, oh my gosh, what was that brainwave while I was sleeping? I better oh, text my doctor, you know? And then the next video is how this technology is actually here, how it's available to us and how mm-hmm. it could be used in a way that allows employees to have a benefit. So it was almost two really con- contrasting um, contrasting conversations with the same woman. So Yeah, it was. All right, so third video I'm going to share with you is actually from a company that has this technology through EEG, and they're testing it on children in a classroom in China. Teachers at this primary school in China know exactly when someone isn't paying attention. These headbands measure each student's level of concentration. The information is then directly sent to the teacher's computer and to parents. Chinese schools are using U.S.-based startup company BrainCo's brain-scanning headbands to measure students' attention spans. The Focus One headband uses electroencephalography sensors, or EEGs, to detect students' brain signals. These signals are then translated by an AI algorithm in real time to determine how focused a student is. Signals from the headbands are able to be monitored through a dashboard in real time, which that the students' attention levels will be indicated by the color appearing on their headset. Blue means the student is relaxed, yellow means the student is focused, and red means the student is extremely focused. So this technology is available. It's being tested on children in China. I was watching these videos and preparing for the podcast, and my youngest was like, is that what we need? (laughs) 
Is that what you need for us, mom? You know, because sometimes I'm like, guys, come on, pay attention. And my oldest was like, absolutely not. That's creepy. She was like, that's like the book, The Giver, I just read. And I'm like, it is. It is exactly like that. I'm so glad my kids are picking up on this stuff. Totally. You know what I found really funny is that it's a U.S.-based company that has Mm -hmm. created these things. And it's being tested in China yes. on Chinese children. Yeah, I should mention that all three of these videos our friend Elizabeth Liu had put together. Oh, yeah, yeah. She was on our podcast. She's the one who actually lived in China during the COVID lockdowns and has since uh, fleed from China, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, she so, was episode 58 and 68. If you guys okay. are interested to go yeah. back and listen, they were really good episodes. Yeah, very interesting if you don't know about those lockdowns. So anyway, I should mention that, but she did mention uh, within those videos, you know, of course, tested on kids in China because the Chinese government's willing to put their, you yeah. know, people at, you know, not risk guinea necessarily, pigs. but- Guinea pigs. Yeah, guinea pigs, yes. Yeah. But yeah, it's unfortunate that it is American technology. That yes. <laughs> it's like, well, they won't let this let us test them on kids here, but let's let's send it out, you know. So yeah. it's it's crazy. Yeah. And so, and you know how you mentioned anxiety earlier as far yeah. as like, oh, what was that brainwave? Like now let's think about this for children sitting in a classroom amongst all their peers and they're like, oh, my light is is blue or my light is yellow, my light should be red, or maybe they don't want to have a red light, maybe they want to have a blue light, depending on what kind of circle they want to get into. And that's a lot. That's a lot to put on these poor kids. I couldn't imagine if my child was in that class. My child would not be in that class. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. Well, speaking of schools, when I watched that portion of it, it reminded me of the quote factory-like school model of mm-hmm. um, the industrial revolution where mm-hmm. basically um, factories needed punctual, docile, and sober employees. And so this school model was, you know, put forth. Mm -hmm. And it said that early industrial capitalists spent a lot of time on, quote, social conditioning to achieve Mm -hmm. this. And this really, like these earbud technologies really are doing the same thing, but they remove any need for social conditioning, right? Because there's no social conditioning. It's like forcing you but the only conditioning really is normalizing this surveillance state. Mm-hmm. You know, it's normalizing living in the surveillance state. That's a social conditioning mm-hmm. that we're under right now. But before it was like a social conditioning of like a factory school model to get everybody to adhere to the same way of acting so that mm-hmm. you were a beneficial person in society. And now it's like the same thing, trying to turn people into robots, but through wearable technology. Yes. And this is going to be a little bit of an aside related, but a bit of an aside from our main topic. These factory schools, you guys, that is why schools started. Mm-hmm. They didn't start necessarily for the for the benefit of kids, although that was a side benefit, hopefully. But they started because they needed to have future generations of people to do the jobs that they needed done. And so if you are interested in learning more about that, a really good book to pick up and read is called Dumbing Us Down by John Taylor Gatto. Um, I read that maybe a month or two ago, and he is a public school teacher or was a public school teacher, I should say, um, for years. And he talks, he writes in a way that was like, he was talking about what his goals were as a teacher, but he wrote it sarcastically. Um, 
basically his goal was to make the children as compliant as possible. Not his personal goal, but it was the goal of the system. And then he kind of like tore that down on his way out. It's a really good book. Yeah. I think the main points that people think of are what we're going to get into, which are the privacy, Mm -hmm. autonomy, and dehumanizing aspects. But Mm -hmm. the first thing I thought of, though, that, that probably isn't the main thing that we would all think of is just the really decreasing of creativity, the soul sucking that happens when you wear this technology and the basically turning of human beings into robot-like figures, essentially. Which we're not created to be, so that's the soul-sucking nature of it all. Absolutely, absolutely. So I'm going to read a bit from an article here. This is actually from 2019, so it's a bit of an old article, but this is all 100% applicable. It's the article I was referring to earlier that said this was this technology was in its infancy at this time, uh, and now we here we are four years later, and it's here and being tested on people and apparently looking to be put out very quickly within the next year, I think, uh, that Nita Farani said. And Mm -hmm. the other thing I want to mention, so I don't forget, is our phones. Like, doesn't this, Mm -hmm. does this to you, Cecily, the question was raised in my mind because already, like, I already wonder how much my phone is gaining and garnering from me every day, right? Um, Yeah. We always joke about, you know, the mess, or the, not the messages, but after we send messages, the ads that we get. Mm -hmm. And I messaged you the other day that I was thinking about something. Oh, it was the Indy 500, the Indianapolis 500. Right. I was like, it was so, random. so weird. I'm getting ads for this. And I was just thinking about it this morning. <laughs> and you're like, oh, it's probably coming up. And I'm like, well, not really. It's like three months out yet. But I was trying to be so optimistic. I'm like, yeah. a lot of Americans are probably thinking about the Indy 500. Apparently not. Yeah. That's so weird. when we allow our phones to have our facial recognition and all of these things, mm-hmm. and we know that Instagram, like when you use filters, you're allowing... Um, facial recognition to be used and things. I wonder mm-hmm. how much is gained from that that is similar mm-hmm. to this earbud technology. So that's a know. bit of an aside, but it's just something yeah. to think about and ponder mm-hmm. upon. Mm-hmm. All right. So this article from 2019, Mind Reading Technology, the Security and Privacy Threats Ahead. Since the dawn of humanity, the only way for us to share our thoughts has been to take some kind of physical action, to speak, to move, to type out an ill-considered tweet. (laughs) I thought that was funny. (laughs) That is funny. Um, Depending on who you listen to, the ethical challenges of BCIs, which I think she says are brain-computer interfaces, are unprecedented. Or they're just a repeat of the risks brought out by each previous generation of technology. Due to the so far limited use of BCIs in the real world, there is little practical experience to show which attitude is more likely to be the right one. The future of privacy. It is clear that some ethical challenges that affect earlier technologies will carry across to BCIs, with privacy being the most obvious. We already know it's annoying to have a username and password hacked and worrying when your bank account details are stolen, but BCIs could mean that eventually it's your emotional responses that would be stolen and shared by hackers. How scary is that? With all the embarrassments and horrors that go along with that, BCIs offer access to the most personal of personal data. Inevitably, they'll be targeted by hackers and would-be blackmailers. Equally, clearly, 
security systems will attempt to keep data from BCIs as locked down as possible. And we already know that defenders <laughs> never win every time. Yeah. <laughs> By the time BCIs reach the consumer world, something like privacy settings, like when browsers or app users turn services on or off according to whether the services cross their own personal privacy threshold might also be deployed around BCIs. So this is just really interesting, really interesting to think about that Mm -hmm. hackers will not just be hacking your financial data and mining for your financial data online. They'll be hacking your thoughts. Yes. It's so disturbing. It's really disturbing. And like, obviously people are going to be smart enough to do this. They absolutely Mm -hmm. are. Um, so we did an episode. Well, there's no one more driven than somebody yeah. wanting to steal something. Like right. they're yeah. simultaneously the most thieves are simultaneously the most lazy and most mm-hmm. innovative people on the face of the earth. I am, I am convinced of that. <laughs> yeah, if only they would use their powers for good, right? Yeah. <laughs> so we did an episode actually near the beginning of our podcast. We looked back at it today and couldn't believe it was episode twenty. We did on biodigital convergence, which biodigital convergence, same idea as brain computer interface, right? Same thing as transhumanism. All of these things are the same thing, different words essentially for the Mm -hmm. same thing. Brain computer interface, biodigital convergence, transhumanism, it's all the same. It's us being linked with computers and um, having to grapple with the ethical challenges and concerns surrounding that of which there are many. Yeah. So one other issue she highlights here is, quote, the 1% get smarter. I mean, Mm -hmm. everybody's heard people refer to the one percenters or like the highest earners. So if Mm -hmm. the BCIs in the military is controversial, the use of technology in civilian world is similarly problematic. She talked about military above. We'll come back to that in a second. Yeah. It is fair for BCI equipped person with access to external computer or sorry, Sorry. Is it fair for a BCI equipped person with access to external computing power and memory to compete for a new job against a standard issue person? So this is really standard issue person. Yes. Oh, doesn't that sound model? Yeah. That's the base model. You got to roll down those windows. I'm not joking when it sounds dehumanizing. Like it it sounds robotic. Everything about it. What was that phrase again? I know I just harped on it, but what was it? Standard, standard issue? issue person. Oh, my Lanta. Yeah. So yeah. we're comparing an, a, someone with external computing power and memory to someone who is, quote, standard issue, <laughs> not having the technology to have Just their brain. A naturally margin. created yeah. person. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That would That's be a better insane. way of putting it. Uh huh. So she's basically saying, given the steep cost of BCIs, they will, it will be creating like enough, another privilege class, right? An equity so, concern. Yes, yeah. an equity concern. So some people will have this technology and be better equipped for jobs simply because of the technology and other people mm-hmm. will be like the have-nots in the situation. Right. Although, I mean, if you're thinking from our worldview, who's really the have-nots in that situation, right? Which position would you rather be in? Yeah, I would rather be in the position of being on my own standard issue and yes, being a standard issue. (laughs) Yeah. She also talks about the corporate brain drain. 
Another mm-hmm. legal front that will open up around BCI tech could pit employees against employer. There were mm-hmm. al- will already be legal protections built up around how physical and intellectual property are handled when an mm-hmm. employee works and leaves a company. But what about if a company doesn't want his skills and knowledge a worker built up during their employment to leave mm-hmm. in their head when they leave the building? Yes. Like, Wild let's imagine a scenario. Yeah. So let's imagine a scenario. In one of those videos that we listened to, we played the audio for, it talked, the woman talked about like, how can we use this for good? Well, we have to put these technologies in the hands of employees so that they can choose whether or not they want to use it. So in this situation that I'm going to talk through, imagine this. Okay. So a person gets hired at a job, a standard issue human gets hired at a new job and the employer says to the person, Oh, we have these optional, um, brain devices or brain computer interfaces that you can choose to use if you would like. It's, it's a way to like, let you see like how your brain activity is doing, how focused you are, what your output is, and they're going to make it sound really good. Like, this is a great thing. Like, don't you want to be as productive as possible? You're new to this job. You're looking to make a good impression. So you say, sure. Yeah, that sounds great. Well, fast forward three years later, you're leaving the job and they ask for your brain-computer interface back with not only your work output data in there, but like it said in the video, your romantic feelings, your emotional feelings, all of that is now whose? It's the company's because they offered it to you and you chose to take it. So you thought you were doing something that was completely optional and maybe it was, but you didn't see all the strings that were attached. Like this is absolutely a scenario that I can imagine happening. Yeah. And as workers for any type of company anymore, it's just becoming such an invasive process. You know, mm-hmm. it. we thought 2020 and 2021 were invasive with take this vaccine or lose your job. What if it's right. put this yeah. implant in your brain or you don't have a job? Yeah. It's your choice. You don't have to put it in your brain if you don't want to. You just won't have a job anymore. Yeah. Yeah. It's your choice. That's what, <laughs> yeah. That's what they said with the vaccine. It's not a big deal. Everyone makes yeah. choices. <laughs> yeah. It's so manipulative. Yes. Let's talk about the military thing now. Is that okay? Yeah, I did want to say one last thing. It just okay, at the yeah. end here that she said, uh, it says, as these technologies get more and more pervasive and invasive, we might need to rethink our rights in the workplace. Do we have our right to our mental pri- privacy? And she Do talks we? about, <laughs> yeah, privacy yeah. must be might be the most obvious ethical concern Um, Mm -hmm. We want our thoughts to remain private for good reason. And then she goes on to say, who hasn't told a lie to spare someone's feelings or thought cheerfully about doing someone harm? Safe in the (laughs) knowledge that they have no intention of ever doing so. Who wouldn't be horrified if they knew every single thought that their partner, child, parent, teacher, boss, or friend thought? If we were all able to see each other's thoughts, it would be really bad. There wouldn't be any society left. And so it's true because everyone would be too scared to be near another person. Yeah. We're going to talk about in a little bit one of, we're going to talk about all of the concerns that they highlighted at the WEF as the main crises that we are facing. But one of the mm-hmm. main crises they said we were facing is unity or disunity mm-hmm. rather. Mm-hmm. And so it's really interesting when you bring in this technology and them talking about, you know, how it could stand to break the society completely apart, right? Mm-hmm. Just absolutely something to think yeah. about. 
Discernment, news literacy, critical thinking are such issues in our culture right now. I know that we have hammered on this so much on this podcast, just being literate and able to understand the news. And that's why we are excited to be partnering with World Watch, which is a 10-minute news program produced by Christian journalists that can help you um, through streaming their programs on any device, promote news literacy, critical thinking, and most importantly, biblical discernment within watching the news. And this is geared towards children. This is for like middle school, um, elementary age children. You get 250 10-minute episodes a year airing each weekday, full access to archive shows, a program that builds, like we said, news literacy, critical thinking, biblical discernment, seamless streaming from your phone, Roku, Apple TV, organized features, news briefs, and education, and a daily reminder that whatever the news, the purpose of the Lord will stand. Um, These captivating stories and relevant headlines are the perfect fit for your middle school and high school students. I said elementary earlier, I think, and I think my elementary age kid, you know, can appreciate this as well. I do. I do. So don't take our word for it. Go for the seven-day free trial. You can get that at worldwatch.news backslash boom clap. Let's go back to the military part. So how do they sell this to us? Just like with what we talked about in episode 20, the biodigital episode, we talked through Neuralink a little bit there, I believe. Mm-hmm. And yep. the Neuralink is basically a brain computer interface. And they start off by trying to sell it to you, they being Elon Musk's company. We need to know this is Elon Musk's company. Everybody's a, a fanboy right now of him, I guess, <laughs> you know, because he's pro free speech, apparently. But mm-hmm. anyway, Neuralink starts off by selling you their product, telling you how it's going to be helpful with potential neurological issues. Like if people have Parkinson's or um, other neurological issues, uh, paralysis, it could be helpful to you. But then they ultimately tell you it's actually to like link humans up with AI. Like that's the Mm -hmm. ultimate purpose. Yes. Okay. So similarly with this, with these earbud technology, they tell you, you know, it's going to be used through the military. She says in this article, another big issue like generations of new technology from internet to GPS, some of the funding behind the BCI projects has come from the military, as well as helping soldiers paralyzed by injuries in battle regain abilities they've lost, like we just said. Mm-hmm. It seems like the military's interest in BCIs will lead to the development of systems designed to augment humans' capabilities. For a soldier, yes. that might mean the chance to damp down a fear in the face of an enemy or patch in a remote team to help out in the field, even correct, even connect to AI to advise battle tactics. So they're selling it to us by way of something, quote, good. And this mm-hmm. is this is one thing everyone needs to note is all of these things that you might say, hey, there's a red flag here. This is not okay. They're going to put something out there to make you want it, to make you think it is okay mm-hmm. so that you will uptake this technology that otherwise you wouldn't be willing to. Totally. It's the same thing like with that scenario that I did of the worker what, what are you going to get out of it? You're going to get favor from your boss because mm-hmm. you're doing something that's going to up your productivity. But what really disturbs me about the military side of this is where they talked about augmenting human capabilities, such as downplaying fear so that a soldier will go and do what they need yes. to do 
without their fear getting in the way. Well, fear, first of all, is a really important instinct that we were all given by God to protect us. Not that we can't overcome fear with courage. We can and we should when it's appropriate. But if you can downplay fear, you can also downplay all your other character traits that make you human. Protective protective character traits. Like protective character traits and things like compassion. So again, Mm -hmm. imagine we're not just talking about the wonderful American military or the Canadian peacekeepers that um, are going to have this technology. That's a very naive and foolish thing to think. And that's also assuming that our militaries are good, right? These devices are going to be available for soldiers everywhere if they have the resources to pick them up. And not only that, even if your military is a good military, if you're, quote, the good guys, well, let's face it, not all people in the military are good people. That's been proven. So if you are a soldier and you've got a a brain-computer interface that's meant to downplay fear or other things that might hold you back, what's stopping you from using it to accomplish your own means as well, which is a horrifying thought. Well, not only that, it doesn't even matter if the individual in the military is good or bad. If you have a brain-computer interface in, the Mm -hmm. leadership of the military, American government can be just telling you what to do and changing you as a person to get you to do things that may be completely, you know, against your will. And you're somewhat subject to that regardless being in the military, you know, just as is. Like you take an oath to follow, you know, whatever the leadership says, you know, without question. But But at least you could choose to be discharged, even if it is dishonorably, if it goes against what your your values state, right? This, if you lose your autonomy because you're not completely in control of what goes on in your brain, well, that option is removed from you. Well, that's the problem. It's a complete loss of autonomy. You are Mm -hmm. no longer in control of your thoughts. You're no longer in control of your movements, nothing. Mm -hmm. Your brain controls every single thing your body does down to Mm -hmm. breathing, you know, without thinking about it. So (laughs) you, you have to understand that when you allow someone else and technology to control your brain, Mm-hmm. It's a very scary thing. So this you're no just, longer the steward of your own body or your yes. own mind. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So you want to get into the rest of Davos? Let's do it. Okay. Talking on Davos as a whole here, the first thing that we want to highlight is the new vocabulary word that they came up with mm-hmm. for us. So going to the World Economic Forum website, Global risks. We're on the brink of a, quote, poly crisis. How worried should we be? And then there's a nice picture of a forest fire to scare you. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's just par for the course. So it says the world's facing connected risks that threaten a poly crisis. The cost of living crisis is the most immediate and severe global risk. Climate-related crises are the biggest future threat facing the world, and a poly crisis could have catastrophic consequences, including armed conflict. A cascading connect, cascading and connected crisis, or sorry, the cascading and connected crises we find ourselves in at the beginning of 2023 demand a new descriptor to define the scale of the problems the world is facing. The war in Ukraine sent energy and food prices soaring, The resulting inflationary pressures ignited global cost of living crisis, 
which has led to social unrest. On top of all that, carbon emissions continue to rise as economies reopen after the pandemic. The collective vocabulary stored on the world's greatest dictionaries didn't appear to hold a single word to sum up all this strife. So here's a new one. Polycrisis. Thoughts? <laughs> I wish people could see your face right now. Well, I mean, it's so dramatic. All the so world's dramatic. dictionaries. All the world's dictionaries didn't contain a word. So they made a new one. Apparently they're qualified to make the new word, which is polycrisis. Yeah. Well, a word existed, and I said this to you earlier, it's perfect storm. It's the same thing. A perfect storm is a polycrisis. It's multiple events happening at the same time to create a catastrophic situation. Perfect storm wasn't <sighs> scary enough, though. No, no. We needed a whole new word. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, yeah. I think that the reason that they put new words like this out, or not even new words, but just create these catchphrase words that are used like over and over and over again, mm-hmm. I think one, yes, it's scary, But two, I think that they do it because some people will pick up the word and they will feel really intelligent using it. I really think that's the case a lot of the time. Yeah. Like I think that they do this because people will pick up the phrase, they will parrot it, it will sell the World Economic Forum's agenda Mm -hmm. without them having to lift Mm -hmm. a finger because people just feel intelligent using it. And so they'll want to talk about this stuff. Right. Perfect storm was too generic because that could apply to anything, I guess. Any really bad situation. Polycrisis is coined. It's It's branded, branded. right? That's right. Yeah. Man, it's, I don't know. This is just like (laughs) this whole World Economic Forum thing. It's just Mm -hmm. so strange to me. But one thing I do want to talk about there, they, they touch on the war in Ukraine sent energy and food prices soaring. Like this is throughout the World Economic Forum Mm -hmm. discussion as the sole rationale for our inflation issue. And Mm -hmm. I feel like that's really passing the buck in the world leaders that are allowing this kind of uh, lingo and conversation Mm -hmm. around soaring energy and food prices to take place Mm -hmm. need to take a little responsibility because just like with COVID, the COVID situation where they're saying, oh, like when people would come on the news and they would say, oh, because of COVID or not even on the news in real life, they would be like, oh, I can't do that because of COVID. No. Oh my goodness. Yes. Or like delivery things. You'll call like, why isn't my delivery here? And you'll get like, due to the unprecedented times we're going through with COVID, Yes, deliveries may be delayed. I'm like, hello, it's like December, 2022. This is not an excuse we should be using anymore. Yeah. And, but Never should that excuse have been used. Right. Nothing, none of this yeah. was because COVID. It was because of the yes. decisions we made and how mm-hmm. we handled COVID. And so I mm-hmm. always harped on that. Like I would, if somebody said to me, oh, because of COVID, I would say, no, it's because of how our yes. government's handling COVID. You can't go to that event mm-hmm. with your child because of how mm-hmm. the government chose to handle COVID, not yes. because of COVID. Okay. Absolutely. So just like with these energy and food prices, it's not because of the Ukraine-Russia war. It's because of how we're handling that situation. It's because of how we handed COVID. It's because of how we handled all of these situations that have caused inflation to be where it is. And you think about what inflation actually is. It's a dollar losing its purchasing power, okay? Mm -hmm. So there are multifaceted reasons for us to be in this position. And all of the spending that's taken place, it's not 
just because this event is happening. There are people no. that have caused it. Yes. And if we think back to when Russia first went into Ukraine mm-hmm. and right away, as soon as it happened, government leaders started blaming increased, increasing prices on that. When we had been seeing Scapegoat. the prices. Yep. We'd seen the prices going up before that invasion even happened. Mm-hmm. But then all of a sudden the messaging was it's because of this. And no, no, it was happening before that. And people, people saw it. People knew it right away, but it wasn't long before in the name of compassion for what's going on in Russia, Ukraine, we're going to blame all the problems of the world on what's going on there because it's Mm -hmm. horrible. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Did you want to bring up the uh, Ethiopia situation? Yeah. So this is something that's been really bugging me for a while. So our wonderful sponsor, our middle sponsor right now is World Watch News. And last week, the kids and I were watching one of their morning episodes, and it was talking about the war that was happening between Ethiopia and Tigray. I'm not sure if I'm saying that country's name right, but it's a war that started, I believe, in November 2020 and finally came to some sort of peace talks November 2022, but there's still some lingering things going on there. There has been half a million civilian deaths in those two years. And so when, and this, trust me, I'm not trying to downplay what's going on between Russia and Ukraine. Like I have Ukrainian friends here that I love dearly and their lives are shattered because of what is going on. And so I'm not downplaying that at all. But when we are so upset about what's happening in Ukraine that we're flying their flags in our yards. We're putting their their flags in our profile pictures, um, standing with Ukrainian people as, as we should because we want them to be whole again. We want them to be restored. However, what about the people in Ethiopia and Tigray where half a million civilians have died in two years and it doesn't even get a mention? Like, have you heard anything about that war? Anything major from any major news outlet? Yeah, no. And my comment to you was, it's because the news is marketed to us. Like, yeah. And this is what's so frustrating to me about anything, really. Like putting a mask in your profile picture, putting a Ukrainian flag, yes. putting, you know, the pride flag in your mm-hmm. profile picture or whatever. I know I'm harping mm-hmm. on profile pictures right now, but that's all I can think of people it's, doing. It's fake or putting fake altruism. Stuff. Yeah, it's just. Mm-hmm. It's what's marketed to you. And this is what mm-hmm. I keep trying to explain is these aren't even your own ideas. These aren't the things mm-hmm. that you are passionate about or that mm-hmm. you find most important in the world. It's the things that you're told to be passionate mm-hmm. about and you're told mm-hmm. to be most important, you know, that should be most important and utmost um, yes. front of mind, you know, that are right. going if on in the world. Yeah, if you care about the people affected by the war that's happening in the Ukraine right now, you also care about the people that are affected by the many, many wars going on in the continent of Africa right now. Yeah. For and some it's not reason, those like, don't matter. Yeah, it's not saying that you're wrong for not knowing about it because no, they ha- nobody it's has— It's not in front of you. It's not in front of you, but the point of talking about this is mm-hmm. notice what is put mm-hmm. in front of you versus what is not— And like in discussing this earlier with you, Cecily, I had mentioned, you know, I can see the um, understanding from this, you know, that yes, the Ukrainian, you know, what's happening, what's happening in Ukraine is in front of us primarily because it involves Russia. Russia could be a threat. Russia's uh, uh, alliances with China, like Mm -hmm. those things are potentially more of a 
world threat, whereas Ethiopia is not. We're sending finances, massive amounts of money to Ukraine. And so all of that is in the news, rightfully so. Mm -hmm. But from Mm -hmm. a humanitarian aspect is what we're discussing here. You know, from a aspect of caring about people, right? Because Mm -hmm. the things going on with Russia, Ukraine, there's so many things that are not being said right now, probably who's got their hands in whose pocket, like who is this actually benefiting um, Mm -hmm. within the upper echelons of things. But it's the people that matter. And if we're talking about people, the people in Ethiopia matter as well, right? That's right. Yeah. And I just think a lot of when we're talking about profile, here we are on profile pictures again. When we're talking about profile pictures, the average person who puts something in their profile picture is because they care about the people that are mm-hmm. affected by whatever they're displaying in their profile picture, right? So if you have that care, you have that care for all people. And the people in charge, the ones who are marketing the news to us, the media, the government, they they market it to us as humanitarian as well. They market it as compassion as well. Mm-hmm. Because they get, that's, that's how they key. get you to care, to right. watch it. Exactly. Yeah. Right. It's, it's pull, all manipulation. your heartstrings. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So shout out also to World Watch News for putting yes. the less mm-hmm. seen news in the news for us. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, definitely check them out. Okay. Let's talk about really quick the top current crises that the World Economic Forum is highlighting. They highlighted the cost of living crisis economic downturn, economic warfare, climate action hiatus, and Mm -hmm. societal polarization. I really want to touch on climate action because they highlighted this in another article as the most pressing issue, the most, I think they said it was the biggest future threat. Um, Mm -hmm. And we've talked about this before because the pandemic was like the big threat. And we've talked about the climate being the next, quote, big threat. So don't forget about that. Don't forget to check mm-hmm. out. What what episode did we talk about, Tom DeWeese? Oh, we yeah, that on. was episode 76. Yeah, 76. No, 78, 78. 78. Sorry. So 78? Yeah, 78. We could talk all day about that right now. And this episode mm-hmm. is already getting a little <laughs> bit long. So I will mm-hmm. leave it at... The climate crisis is manufactured. And if you don't understand that, go back and listen to that episode, please. So I do want to highlight. So this is their global risks report. They talk about the health and economic after effects of the pandemic have quickly spiraled into compounding crises. Carbon emissions have climbed as the post-pandemic global economy fired back up. Food and energy have become weaponized by the war in Ukraine, sending inflation soaring to levels not seen in decades, globalizing a cost of living crisis and fueling social unrest. The resulting shift in monetary marks the end of an economic era defined by easy access to cheap debt and will have vast ramifications for governments, companies, and individuals, widening inequality within and between countries. As the conflict between Russia and Ukraine approaches one year, economies and societies will not easily rebound from continued shocks. In this year's Global Risk Perception Survey, more than four in five respondents anticipated consistent uh, vitality over the next, sorry, this is kind of like blurry here, over the next two years. The persistence of these crises already reshaping the world that we live in, ushering the economic and technology 
technological fragmentation. A continued push for national resilience in strategic sectors will come at a cost, one that only few economies can bear. Geopolitical dynamics are also creating significant headwinds for global cooperation, which often acts as a guardrail to these global risks. The whole point in reading that to you is just listen to how like, it just sounds like doom and gloom. Like there's nothing good. It's all, it's all scary. It's all, everything is combining for this poly crisis and things are about to collapse if we don't do something. So you scroll down a little bit and they talk about risk preparedness and governance. It says they invited respondents to assess the current effectiveness of the management of global risks and reflect on which stakeholders are best, that's another buzzword, stakeholders Mm -hmm. are best placed to effectively manage them to elicit opportunities for global action and collaboration. So we have all these crises creating a poly crisis, the quote, perfect storm, like Cecily said. And why do we have these problems? Because of people. And now we're looking to these people to fix all the problems for all of the world. Like how did we survive before everyone was united as a one world government? Because that's what this is. Like Mm -hmm. there's no United States. There's no Canada. There's no Ukraine. This is one world government. Yeah. Well, as you were talking, you were saying like they were projecting everything as doom and gloom. There's no hope except for in these people. That's the message they're trying to communicate. Mm -hmm. There's no hope because of all these problems going on in the world, except for us. Like if you watch the clips of the event at Davos, it's all very much like they truly believe they are the saviors of the world. Mm -hmm. Which I guess when you know who the actual savior is, it's really hard to watch that. Um, to watch people put themselves on that sort of pedestal. Yeah, absolutely. And like we touched on very early in the episode, it's so interesting that one of the main uh, things that they highlight is societal polarization. Mm -hmm. But they're not unifying society. Mm -mm. They're not. They're creating the polarization. They're the one telling, you know, the ones telling everybody that there's inequality and telling Mm -hmm. you to... Let's highlight inequality. Let's highlight inequality with women, races, countries, Mm -hmm. you know, and when you continually try to pick apart everything happening in society and tell people how bad it is, how is that going to be? An oppressor and an oppressed. Yes. There's always an oppressor and an oppressed. Yeah. We're being told who it is. Yeah. Yeah. It's just interesting how they continually pick things apart and then tell you they're trying to unify. No, if, if I, in my house every day, you know, told my girls how the other one was treating the other one badly all day long, Mm -hmm. like, Mm -hmm. Hey, did you notice so-and-so did this to you? Did you notice so-and-so did this to you? Mm -hmm. Do you think that would unify my children or pit them against Mm -hmm. each other? You know? Absolutely. It'll pit (laughs) them against each other and it'll create a victim too. One of the two will be made to be a victim and will be left powerless. Yeah. Not because they're powerless, but because they now believe they're powerless. And that's what's happening on a world scale. Yeah. And we're allowing this. Something yes. else I want I want to touch on, I may I may bring up. I haven't mm-hmm. really looked into a lot yet, but did you see mm-hmm. that Jordan Peterson apparently is putting together 
some kind of like freedom alliance. It's a global freedom alliance. He wants to have the same number of people, a a similar number of people that they have Mm -hmm. at Davos. He's inviting the same types of people Mm -hmm. that they have at Davos. And I have some initial thoughts on that. I'm not really prepared to go over right now other Mm -hmm. than I will say any kind of global alliance trying to foster, you know, a better world is Mm -hmm. not going to turn out well. It's not going to turn out well. So, well, yeah. Anyway, we'll have to look into that and see how serious he is about it. I understand potentially the thoughts behind it being good, but yes, no. Hey, what are the chances we'll get Jordan (laughs) Peterson on here and just hear from his his mouth what he wants to say? Probably probably not great. Pretty interesting. I don't know. So guys, just look into that. And actually, we'll probably email something about that out to our community because it's Mm -hmm. something real interesting to discuss. So sure. So we talked about how things are projected to all of us as if it's doom and gloom. And that is not what we want to convey to you guys at all. We, We shine a light on some of the issues going on so that you can actually hold those things up to the truth, right? That is our goal with this podcast is to show you things going on in the world, not so that you can live in fear, but so that you can cling to the truth and actually find freedom with that. I think the, it seems every year we kind of have like a word of the year. And I'm thinking this year, it might be something along the lines of a phrase truth will always correspond with reality. Mm -hmm. And so as you're listening to our episodes, as you're taking in the news of the world, as you're scrolling social media, just remember that truth will always correspond with reality. Make sure you know your source of truth, not your source of truth, but the source of truth. Okay. And if your source of truth, your source of truth doesn't actually have, if you can't follow it through to a logical end, you need to reevaluate your source of truth and find the source of truth. Um, well but said. anyway, that's our goal with the podcast, you guys. So we go deeper with this sort of stuff in our community. So you can check that out at theboomclapcommunity.com. It's a lot of fun. We have our monthly lives. We have quarterly book studies, which we should really get on picking our next book. I'm excited to get going with that as well as weekly roundup emails where, like we said, this week in the in that email, we'll probably dig into the Jordan Peterson situation a little bit more. So I'm excited to do some more research on that and share it with our community next week. Um, so check that out. It's also just a way you can support us. We, we realize that not everyone wants to have the commitment of like a community where there's something expected of them. That's not our goal with this. If you want that, you can have that with the monthly lives. But if all you want to do is support us, that's amazing because it does take time and energy to make this podcast and we love it. But we also really appreciate it when you guys are willing to support us and the boomclapcommunity.com talks you through how you can do that. You can also find us outside of the podcast. We now have a new Instagram page, which Yay. is just yes. for the podcast, which the handle is Boom Clap Podcast. Boom Clap Podcast. Yeah, yeah, know that. Just Boom Clap Podcast. And Rita is doing an amazing job with that. If anything looks pretty on there or looks great, just know it's all her, not me. And <laughs> it's amazing. So Boom Clap Podcast, go follow us on Instagram. I'm also on Instagram personally at cecily.dickey and my website is thegracetogrow.com. And you can find me, Rita, at rita.rogersco.com or rita.rogersco on Instagram. Thanks for listening. 